Michael Vannon, and welcome to episode 4 of Second Breakfast, discussing Middle-earth. Last week we discussed the Kingdom of Arnor, which was well-received. For always hearing about Gondor, it's nice to learn of its sister kingdom, the one from which Aragorn descended. We had a poll going since last week, asking which of those two kingdoms you thought was more interesting, with some good results. I have to say that right now, I think the Kingdom of Arnor is more interesting, but perhaps if I learn more about Gondor pre-Lord of the Rings, I might change my mind then too. But let's get into this episode. At first, I wasn't sure about speaking on this week's topic for a few reasons. One, I wasn't sure about the interest levels. And two, there's a lot of controversy and theories over the topic. But I decided to just go for it, mainly because that's what this podcast is all about talking about Middle-earth with a focus on that which isn't well known. But also because the character this episode revolves around was put into Middle-earth for a reason, and the fact Tolkien shrouded him in mystery makes his character all the more important. This week we are talking Tom Bombadil. For those of us who read Fellowship of the Ring, we might remember Tom Bombadil. I say might because at first he seems like a nonsensical secondary character. I know my first and probably second read-through, I skipped past half of his scenes. He sang weird songs and spoke a lot of nonsense. I just didn't find him all that interesting of a character. It wasn't until years after my first read-throughs when I actually learned there's so much behind this weird person. He first appears in Fellowship of the Ring in Chapter 6 when the hobbits are in the Old Forest, east of the Shire. The hobbits happen to fall under a spell from Old Man Willow, an evil tree, presumably a Huorn, that grew in the Old Forest, and he ended up trapping Merry and Pippin within his roots. Fun fact, the scene where this happens to them in Fangorn in the movies was based off of this scene in the books. Anyway, Frodo went screaming for help through the forest, and he heard someone nearby. He actually heard someone singing. And this is probably what first turned me off of Tom Bombadil from the start. The song goes, and forgive my lack of sing-song voice here. Hey dole, merry dole, ring-a-dong dillo. Ring-a-dong, hop-along, fall lol the willow. Tom Bomb, jolly Tom, Tom Bombadillo. And then he sings another song with similar lyrics right after for another 14 lines. Frodo and Sam tell him what's happened and... Tom Bombadil immediately runs to Old Man Willow, sings him a song, and commands him to release Merry and Pippin. This is also where, in the movies, Treebeard gets some of his lines. You should not be waking. Eat earth, dig deep, drink water, go to sleep. And Old Man Willow releases the hobbits. Tom brought them to his house afterwards where the hobbits meet his wife, Goldberry, who is also almost as eclectic as her husband is. When Frodo asks Goldberry who Tom Bombadil is, her response is as follows. He is. Remember this for later in the podcast. But when Frodo isn't satisfied by that answer, Goldberry adds on. He is, as you have seen him. He is the master of wood, water, and hill. But pr proceeds to say that he does not own the trees or grasses in the land. They own themselves, but he is their master. Yeah making tons of sense so far. Tom tells the hobbits many stories, including the Thoughts of the Trees, where more of Treebeard's lines were taken. 
It says in Fellowship of the Ring, Tom's words laid bare the hearts of the trees and their thoughts, which were often dark and strange, and filled with a hatred of things that go free upon the earth, gnawing, biting, breaking, hacking, burning, destroyers and usurpers. He also tells them stories of the Barrow Downs and how they came to be, and even of the lost kingdom of Arnor, much like I did last week. His stories then turn to, and I quote, Times where the world was wider, and the seas flowed straight to the western shore, and still on and back, Tom went singing out into ancient starlight, when only the elf sires were awake. He is literally speaking of a time about 10,000 years before the present day, when men had not even yet awoken in Middle-earth and only the elves were awake. But then the hobbits ask him who he is directly. He responds, Eldest, that's what I am. Mark my words, my friends. Tom was here before the river and the trees. Tom remembers the first raindrop and the first acorn. He made paths before the big people and saw the little people arriving. He was here before the kings and the graves of the Barrowites. When the elves passed westward, Tom was here already, before the seas were bent. He knew the dark under the stars when it was fearless, before the Dark Lord came from outside. He said he was there when the elves passed west, speaking of their march to Valinor when they first awoke, and under the stars before the Dark Lord came from the outside. Outside with a capital O. Here, Dark Lord is meaning Melkor Morgoth, and outside, presumably meaning the timeless halls before he came to the world as a Vala, or alternatively, from the door of night upon his return from exile. These two alternatives will play into our discussion later in the episode, but for now, Tom is telling us that he was here before the elves awoke at the very least, possibly before even the Valar first came to Arda. And if these stories don't impress you yet, Tom starts asking about Frodo and his journey, to the point where Frodo tells him about the ring and shows him when Tom asks. Tom takes it, laughs, and puts it on. And he doesn't disappear like Frodo or Bilbo does. In fact, it seemed that the ring had absolutely no effect on him. He then took it, took it off and made it vanish like a magic trick before handing it back to Frodo. It seems he didn't think anything of this ring at all, just as if it was any other ring. And that confused Frodo because Gandalf had made it appear to be such a perilous thing. But to be sure the ring that was handed back to him was for sure the one ring, Frodo put it on himself, and he did disappear. But when he tried leaving the room, Tom called out to him, asking where he was going. Tom could still see Frodo even with the ring on. But of course, that is the last clue we are given before the hobbits leave Tom's house. Yet it only takes a handful of pages to see him again. Before they left Tom's house, he taught them a song to sing in case they needed his help. And when they get ambushed by Barrow Whites, they sing the song and almost immediately, they hear Tom singing in the distance. And another moment later, he was there and cast out the white from its barrow. He even went in and took some of its treasure, including the daggers that he gave to the hobbits. In the movies, Aragorn gives them their swords. He says that sharp blades are good to have if Shire folk go walking east, south, or far away into dark and danger. 
Then he told them that the blades were forged many long years ago by men of Westerness, which are the Numenorians. He said they were foes of the Dark Lord, but were overcome by the evil king of Karndum in the land of Angmar, meaning the Witch King, Lord of the Nazgul. Tom then leads them back to the road towards Bree. When they begged him to come on their journey with them, he says, Tom's country ends here. He will not pass the borders. Tom has his house to mind, and Goldberry is waiting. He is only mentioned a few more times in The Lord of the Rings, the next being during the Council of Elrond. After Frodo told the Council of his journey regarding the ring, Elrond spoke up, saying, out of all the stories told thus far, his was the strangest. I'll read what is said in the Council from the book itself. I'll start with Elrond, when he says... In those lands I journeyed once, and many things wild and strange I knew. But I had forgotten Bombadil, if indeed this is still the same that walked the woods and hills long ago, and even then was older than old. That was not then his name. Irwain Benadar, we called him, oldest and fatherless. But many another name he has since been given by other folk, Forn by the dwarves, Orald by northern men, and other names besides. He is a strange creature, but maybe I should have summoned him to our council. He would not have come, said Gandalf. Could we not still send messages to him and obtain his help? asked Aristor. It seems that he has a power even over the ring. No, I should not put it so, said Gandalf. Say rather that the ring has no power over him. He is his own master. But he cannot alter the ring itself, nor break its power over others. And now he is withdrawn into a little land within bounds that he has set, though none can see them, waiting perhaps for a change of days, and he will not step beyond them. But within those bounds nothing seems to dismay him, said Aristor. Would he not take the ring and keep it there, forever harmless? No, said Gandalf, not willingly. He might do so if all the free folk of the world begged him, but he would not understand the need. And if he were given the ring... He would soon forget it, or most likely throw it away. Such things have no hold on his mind. He would be a most unsafe guardian, and that alone is answer enough. But in any case, said Glorfindel, to send the ring to him would only postpone the day of evil. He is far away. We could, we could not now take it back to him, unguessed, unmarked by any spy. And even if we could, soon or late, the Lord of the Rings would learn of its hiding place and would bend all his power towards it. Could that power be defied by Bombadil alone? I think not. I think that in the end, if all else is conquered, Bombadil will fall, last as he was first, and then night will come. I know little of Irwain, save the name, said Galdor, but Glorfindel, I think, is right. Power to defy our enemy is not in him, unless such a power is in the earth itself. And yet we see that Sauron can torture and destroy the very hills. And unless I am mistaken, Tom isn't mentioned in the Lord of the Rings narrative again until the end of The Return of the King, right before the scouring of the Shire. Gandalf says that he would not go to the Shire with the hobbits, but instead go see Tom Bombadil. He says, But if you would know, I am turning aside soon. I am going to have a long talk with Bombadil. Such a talk as I have not had in all my time. 
He is a moss gatherer, and I have been a stone doomed to rolling. But my rolling days are ending, and now we shall have much to say to one another. When Frodo wonders how Tom is doing, Gandalf answers, As well as ever, you may be sure. Quite untroubled, and I should guess that not much interested in anything that we have done or seen, unless perhaps in our visits to the Ents. And that's all we get from the Lord of the Rings narrative. In the Histories of Middle-Earth, Volume 6, The Return of the Shadow, Christopher writes a commentary on Tom Bombadil and the Hobbit's meeting with him, citing some of his father's old notes. The first I wish to bring up is a note that preceded the first narrative draft of the chapter. It says, Tom Bombadil is an aborigine. He knew the land before men, before hobbits, before Barrowites, yes, before the necromancer, before the elves came to this quarter of the world. Aborigine means someone that has been in a country or region from earliest times. Even before writing the text, Tolkien knew Tom was, before, was from before the elves awoke. The note also includes Goldberry's quote that the land does not belong to him, but he is their master, master of wood, water, and hill. There is one change from an earlier draft of the narrative that was changed for the final, where Fellowship of the Ring has the phrase, Still on and back, Tom went singing out into ancient starlight. The earlier version has, And still further, Tom went singing back before the sun and before the moon, out into the old starlight, which confirms his time before the elves awoke, back in the years of the trees before the sun and moon were even revealed to the world. In an earlier writing, when Frodo asks Tom who he is, Tolkien wrote him saying, I am an aborigine. That's what I am, the aborigine of this land, which was struck out at once and replaced with, I have spoken a mort of languages and called myself by many names, then proceeds to describe how he remember, remembers the first acorn, raindrop, etc. Then regarding Tom's phrase, before the dark lord came from outside, and use of the term outside specifically, Christopher commentates that he doesn't think Bombadil was referring to Valinor as outside, when Melkor, now as Morgoth, returned to Middle-earth with Ungoliant, because at that point it was still in Arda before the seas were bent. So he thinks Tom may have been referring to the Void, beyond the walls of the world, which means that Tom was there in Arda before Melkor returned in secret from the Void after his first defeat by the Valar. Yet it troubles Christopher because his father had not written any of Melkor's earlier histories until after the notes with Tom Bombadil. So unless Tolkien had a concept of Melkor's early days, Tom must have been referring to when Morgoth returned to Middle-earth from Valinor, not the Void. A few more general notes on Tom before we move on include that he was inspired by Tolkien's oldest son, Michael's old Dutch doll. Tom's names were many, but all meaning the same thing. Goldberry calls him eldest. Elrond says that the elven name means oldest and fatherless. Men name him Orald, meaning very ancient. The dwarves naming him Forn, which is an old Norse word for ancient. Bombadil itself is referred to as Bucklandish, but its translation is unknown. And finally, Tolkien did say that Bombadil embodied the spirit of the Oxford and Berkshire countryside. Well, 
Now that we are caught up on what the narrative says and some of Tolkien's earliest notes, let's get into some of the theories of who Tom Bombadil actually is. One theory is that Tom is one of the Maiar, who existed as Ainur spirits before the creation of the world with their god Eru Iluvatar. This supports Tom's claim that he was in Arda before Melkor, who arrived second to last of all the Ainur. And it also explains how he remembers the first raindrop and acorn, because the Ainur were also responsible for creation. However, two facts go against this theory. The first lesser fact being that all Maiar are connected to a greater Valar, and there appears to be no evidence that Tom is associated with any of the Valar. The argument could be made that he can be associated to Yavanna, since she created the Ents, and Gandalf says that he might only be interested in their affairs with the Ents. But the fact that he is master of wood, water, and hill would show that he would be associated with not only Yavanna, but Aule and Ulmo as well. The greater fact against this theory is that the Maya seem to be affected by the ring, namely Sauron, Gandalf, and Saruman. But Tom is not. But that could be because the wizards, as Maya spirits, were sent to Middle-earth as men, and thus face all their same issues. So that could be the reason why Gandalf and Saruman the Maiar are affected by the ring as men are, but Tom is not. Another theory is that Tom is the embodiment of Arda, or a father nature. This easily satisfies all of his claims of seeing and being in Arda before Melkor, and knowing the first acorn and raindrop. It also explains his claims of being master of wood, water, and hill, as well as many of his powers, namely over Old Man Willow. Furthermore, the ring would not easily have effect over nature's greed, or cause it nature to disappear. It is further supported by what is said in the Council of Elrond. Galdor says, Power to defy our enemy is not in him, unless such power is found in the earth itself. Glorfindel says that he does not think Bombadil's power could resist Sauron's, further agreed upon by Galdor, who says, And yet we see that Sauron can torture and destroy the very hills, a.k.a. nature. Glorfindel finishes by saying, I think that in the end, if all else is conquered, Bombadil will fall, last as he was first. However, this theory doesn't wholeheartedly explain why he has power against the Barrowites, and, to my own opinion, his concern over stories of men, kingdoms, towers, and man-made objects, such as a brooch he found for Goldberry in the Barrow, which was worn by a woman of old. Tom said, by Goldberry wearing it, they would never forget that woman. These points don't disprove the theory, but I find them inconsistent and discredit the father nature slash embodiment of Arda theory. Going off that last theory though, there is a theory that Tom is a figure associated closely with father time. In this case, perhaps a Maya that governs time. This satisfies all the time and eldest requirements, as well as why the ring has no effect on Tom, because the ring has no effect on time. It also satisfies that he is the master of wood, water, and hill, for time affects all those things. However, for this theory to work, I believe he indeed would have to be a Maya, for if he was time itself, Sauron would not be able to harm him, and Galdor's phrase, he will be last as he was first, would be incorrect. However, 
Galdor was only an elf, not an all-knowing being, so we can't always take his and other people's words as completely true. It could just be their perception of him. Lastly, another note on this is that the, this theory can also include Goldberry as Mother Nature, and thus we have a Father Time figure as well as the Mother Nature figure. Now, I want to discuss the first theory that jumped into my head when reading The Lord of the Rings again for this episode. When Goldberry says the phrase, He is. This to me screams from the Bible, where God calls himself, I am. So, if I was to refer to God, I could say, He is. So when Goldberry says this, she could be saying that Tom is in fact Eru Iluvatar. Or if we look at the phrase, He is an Elvish, which is Ia, this would place Tom as what is known as the secret fire. The Silmarillion says, Therefore, Iluvatar gave to their vision being, and set it amid the void, and the secret fire was sent to burn at the heart of the world, and it was called Ea. Melkor even tried finding the secret fire before coming to the world as a Vala. Either of these two theories satisfies all things, except that Sauron had the ability to destroy Bombadil, and again that Galdor would be wrong saying last as he was first, for if Eru is an almighty being, none of his creation would be able to destroy him, and neither could Sauron destroy the secret fire if Melkor could not. Ooh, still ready for more theories? Here's a fun one. That Tom is the spirit of the music of the Einar. The music of the Einar being the grand metaphor of the creation of the world, when Eru and his Einar sang the world into creation, and Tom being the physical embodiment of that creation. This would greatly explain all of his singing and the power behind his songs, as well as all the time requirements. Yet again, it does not explain why Sauron would be able to destroy him, for Melkor himself could not overwrite the music of the Einar while he was himself singing it, so how could Sauron after it was already sung? Nor would it explain why Tom only kept to his own small land in Middle-earth, not over all of Arda and all of creation. The next theory claims Tom to be of a creation. He was created during the music of the Einar, before Melkor started singing his own theme and created discord in the music. Thus, Tom was created before almost anything else, and therefore was free from anything evil. It does allow him to be destroyed by Sauron, but, if I remember correctly, this puts him before the creation of Arda itself, thus satisfying the time requirements, but not why he is the master of wood, water, and hill. There are still a handful more theories, but most of them are greatly stretched and they're just very far-fetched, so I'm not going to speak on them in this podcast. But of those remaining, there are two more which I find interesting. The first being that Tom is the embodiment of Tolkien himself. He knew the first acorn and raindrop because Tolkien was the one to write it. He existed before any of the events, he states, because Tolkien wrote them. And Tom keeps to his own land so as to not interfere in the narrative for the reader's sake. Yet this proves troublesome for a few reasons. One, I doubt a Roman Catholic would ever refer to himself as he is, 
whether it was meant to be an expression for God or not. 2. Since Tolkien says Bombadil is the spirit of Oxford and Berkshire countryside, I would find it doubtful that he believes himself to be the spirit of that countryside. And lastly, and probably the least out of all these objections, is that Sauron has the power to destroy Tolkien. It could be a metaphor of evil, that evil can still have power over Tolkien, but it, it still pulls me away from this theory. And lastly, of all these theories I wish to discuss, is that Tom Bombadil is actually the reader themselves. This would explain why the ring has no effect on Tom, and why Tom can still see Frodo when he put the ring on. But, to me, that's where the evidence for this theory stops. This theory does not explain why he is confined to his own land, while the reader continues with the Fellowship on their journeys. It does not explain why Tom is the master of wood, water, and hill. It doesn't explain how the reader knew the first acorn and raindrop, or was in the world before the elves migrated and before Melkor arrived. And to an extent, it could not be possible if the reader did not have knowledge of these things before reading Lord of the Rings. And just remember, Lord of the Rings was written and came before the Silmarillion. This theory also doesn't explain Tom's power against Old Man Willow and the Whites, because the reader has no power over those things. And again, it doesn't explain how Sauron could destroy Tom as the reader, unless we again use the metaphor as Sauron representing evil, and the reader is still subjected to evil. I would have loved that last theory to be true, just to have a character in a story actually be the reader, but I probably find it one of the least supported theories out there. Maybe except for Tom being the Witch King in disguise. That one, just, that one just made me shake my head so much that I didn't even want to discuss it in this podcast. In any regard, if this episode has done anything, I would hope that it has showed you that Tom isn't just some unimportant weird guy that has no importance to the story except for saving the hobbits twice, like I originally thought. He is indeed a mystery, and Tolkien wanted to leave it as such, for he said that some things should remain mysterious in any mythology, hidden even to its inventor. But what do you think? Uh, I'm going to make an open poll in the group so that we can vote on which theory we like best, and even add our own if we have any to share. I'd love to discuss this further with all of you and hear any of your rebuttals to my arguments that I made today. Next episode, I will be bringing it back to something a bit more tangible. Aragorn's history pre-Lord of the Rings. Farewell.